What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are rolling along here with our Cloverfield reviews, which takes us to 10 Cloverfield Lane. It is streaming on Paramount Plus and was the follow-up to the movie Cloverfield and the second in the what is right now trilogy uh, that was capped with the Cloverfield Paradox and... It stars John Goodman. It stars Mary Elizabeth Weinstein, John Gallagher. Uh, even Bradley Cooper is in this movie. And uh, a very interesting title, to say the least, and one that I'm going to be extremely curious to to hear Rob's thoughts on. So, Rob, we've uh, been doing uh, movies in threes with Hellboy and then John Wick, and now capping off... Uh, sort of this run that we've been on uh, that started in November with with 10, you know, with the Cloverfield series and, and talking about this movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So, you know, uh, initial thoughts. This was something that you you saw, um, but I, I don't think you have seen the whole thing until now, correct? You know, I, I had n- this was the first time I've seen any piece of this, actually. So I, um, yeah, oh. so uh, it's on Paramount Plus right now. So if uh, listeners want to check it out before you uh, get anything spoiled, um, yeah, it's it's something I would say it's worth watching. Um, I can't say that I foresee myself ever watching this again, like on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I would say yeah, you know what? I'm going to put this on. Um, like if my wife hasn't seen it and she wants to check it out, I'll sit and watch it with her. But yeah, I think, I think watching it once you're, you're pretty good. I think there's a lot of things that happen. There's some, there's some unexpected things. And I don't know that the rewatch value is super high on this. Once you kind of know what to expect and, and know the things that the characters don't know yet, but uh, I, I enjoyed getting a chance to check this out. It's been something I've been meaning to see for a while because of how much I enjoy the first uh, film in this franchise. And I, I'd, I'd heard that this was not necessarily the same. It was a completely different sort of setup. So, uh, and I like John Goodman. I like, I like uh, him a lot as an actor and I really liked him in this. Yeah. So I'm, I have a lot of probably different thoughts than you do on this movie because I think this is one that I actually rewatch multiple times. I genuinely really, really enjoy this movie. Um, But I think one of the things that I'm most curious to get your thoughts on um, and maybe why you feel the way that you feel is, you know, I mean, this is obviously this has been out for a very long time now. And I I don't know if you originally heard the stories or if it's just fairly obvious. Uh, This was never intended to be part of the Cloverfield universe. Did you know that? I didn't know that going into it. I I only discovered it after I finished watching it tonight and started, you know, digging around on the interwebs, looking for some stuff on it. But it makes sense. Um, There's there's a lot of ways that the you could see where the bones of this script could be adapted to almost any ending you wanted to do with it. Yeah. And I think is, you know, is that maybe one of the reasons why you, cause to me, and you know, as we get further and further into this, I think the performances in this are really good. And I still think, you know, even on my re like for me, even on my rewatches, I really do enjoy the performances by these characters. Um, I have my own ideas for the ending. Um, 
you know, what I think would have actually worked, but you can clearly see uh, where this movie, you know, once it got produced by, you know, bad robot productions, where this movie was cut, so to speak, and some new things were shot to make this connected uh, to the Cloverfield universe. Is, is that one of the reasons why you don't think there's, you know, pretty much a reason to rewatch it or is there, is there deeper issues, so to speak? Um, you know, I guess one of the biggest things that I think hampers this movie and it's not as bad as in other movies, but we've talked about this in other reviews that occasionally films will, or in TV will use characters just choosing not to communicate with one another to build the drama where if they just would have had a simple five minute conversation about what's actually going on, it stops everything. You know, think black widow when she's fighting Yelena, you know, like if they were like, Mm -hmm. it's such a stupid fight. Like the, and they end up walking away and working together as soon as they're done with it. And meanwhile, they were literally trying to kill each other just before that. So it seems right. Exactly. It seems like a fight for the sake of having a fight scene in a movie. Um, that's kind of an obvious one recently, but there's a lot of things in this that, and and you can clearly see that, you know, the character of, of Howard played by John Goodman is, is a disturbed individual in some way. You, you don't necessarily know to what extent. So this movie, I, I would give it more of a pass than other movies, but there's plenty of times where it feels like there's, elements introduced for the sake of building tension and deepening the mystery and adding to the horror element of it that, that just don't really add up. Like uh, let's just start right from the beginning when not necessarily the beginning, beginning when she's, you know, leaving her fiance, but when she wakes up in the bunker, why did he need to handcuff her there? What was the reason for that? I don't, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of it and you have to kind of draw, you know, your own conclusion, so to speak, and you can maybe see it the way that you want to see it. Um, I think, like you said, he's he's pretty disturbed. And I think John Goodman plays that character oh, extremely yeah. well. Um, uh, he's very intense. There are moments when he's very just, dis- you know, when he's very disturbing. But then there's also one of the things that I liked about this movie and, you know, his performance is there are points when you're going, well, okay, like he's an okay guy, so to speak. Like he's awkward and he's weird, but like, okay, what else is going on here? You know, so, and, and as you get further along, you're like, oh shit, he's just, no, never mind. He's just disturbed. Um, so like for me, I think that's part of the reason why she is handcuffed just because he thinks that somebody waking up mysteriously um, might try to do something rash, like like run away, escape or something like that. But, you know, some of it kind of on rewatches for me is a little bit some of it is lost. I still really do enjoy the performances from the characters in this movie. So I tend to give it a pass is some of the things that happen in this movie. Um, and again, this is kind of jumping forward as we're going along, talking back and forth, but as they start to piece things together and once you realize that, you know, they're going to try to escape, you know, uh, Michelle doing things like creating, uh, like a, a hazmat suit, so to speak, that bunker, when you see it during the movie, 
does not look big enough where they're able to have sections of time where Howard wouldn't be right on top of exactly. Them. And that's one thing where, again, like I kind of just where I normally wouldn't, I do give it a pass because I'm just, I really do like the performance of the the actors and actresses involved in this movie, but it is very glaring. Like you shouldn't have time to do that. Like that, that bunker is not a 1800 square foot spot. Like it's, it's very tight. It's almost probably a one and a half bedroom apartment at biggest like <laughs> yeah and that's and that was like a, i guess more of a minor thing like i i can excuse certain things like that don't make sense like that one i kind of was like okay i noticed it but i sort of excused it um it does feel weird though that they've got time to make a whole like you know ramshackle hazmat although i will say the mm-hmm. hazmat suit and and th- them making it um it's probably one of the cooler moments. I, I sort of dig that. I, I think the the ingenuity of what she put together, I think that's one of my favorite parts. And and really the fact that she yeah. starts off, you know, with, with trying to create a, a spear out of the crutch, like that to me was one of the cooler things. And it made me really like the character of Michelle very early on, but it still, it just kind of makes me go, all right, if they, and again, he's socially awkward. He's, he's very weird. He's obviously got a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, and, and you you know you think of him as a little bit of a tinfoil hat kind of guy, and the movie leads you to believe that perhaps he's just captured them, um, and, and isn't really actually there's nothing going on outside. You know you're kind of led to believe that back and forth, um, but it just it still feels weird to me that if he just would have explained, hey, here's what I know, here's what I saw, here's the radio, like that nothing's coming through. Like if he would have tried right. to explain a little bit more you know, or even shown them the door. Like it feels weird. Like his, his need to control everything felt more of a plot device than, than I don't know, than something that made, there's just little things. And I don't think I'm articulated very well right now. No, but I, you know, I can totally understand. Cause I have, again, I have watched this movie multiple times. This is the, if I can remember pinpoint exactly i believe this watch would have been the seventh time i've seen this movie um so i've had plenty of opportunities to see it and and i've talked to several people about it um so like i do get all of those points um they're certainly you know they're not without merit um where yeah like you can still be this creepy guy that ends up wanting to keep her around and control her and things like that but there's definitely like as weird as this probably sounds, there's definitely a different way that you could have done that with, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to, I crashed into you on the road. Like he eventually does say that, like I hit you with my truck. I brought you here. If I hadn't, you would have been dead. Um, which is all very, you know, true. Um, you know, she probably wouldn't have survived being unconscious. Um, but, you know, hey, look, this is I- I'm going to take you up to this door and, you know, I'm going to show you what's going on outside. And you could see like the dead animals and like things like that outside the window, um, you know, and then you you probably still could have had the same story. But I, I did like the fact where 
you do have the fact, you know, you do have that thought process of like, okay, is anything actually really going on? Or is this guy, you know, is this guy crazy? I even thought too, and this is one of my problems that I'll get into later. Okay. Are they close to New York city? Like, are they close to New York city? Because like when the rumbling start and the bunker is shaking, I'm like, okay, like, Sure, they're they're close enough to feel the effects of things. Um, yeah, they also talk about did... like power outages and things like that, and, mm-hmm. and and things along that line. Um, so it does lead you to think, like, okay, is there a connection to the original Cloverfield and and the monster that attacks New York? Yeah, and I think that you know, I, I did like when she actually tries to escape the first time. Um, and the woman comes, you know, the, the woman comes up to the door and everything like that did intrigue me. Like when I, you know, when I first saw the movie, it was like, oh, OK, something like something's going on here. But then it also sat there and made me go, OK, well, wait a minute. Like. It, this can't just be the monster from Cloverfield because we didn't see any of that. Like, why would she be infected? Why would her skin, you know, look like things? So then my mind started kind of racing, like, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, like, how is this actually connected? And I, I think once you watch Cloverfield paradox, there's a lot more explanation, so to speak, that we'll talk about. Um, But I did think this movie did a pretty good job on your first viewing of, Okay, what actually like yes, this guy's crazy, but there is actually something going on. Yeah, here. there's it's a case of where multiple things can be true at the same time. And it and it does And they yes, are <laughs> and it does kind of play with that a little bit. There's you know, you you reference the part where uh, the character of Leslie is banging on the door, begging to be let in. And then she just literally starts headbutting it, which I did not see coming at all. Um, right. <laughs> I didn't see any of that coming. And that's where it was like, okay, he's, he's a creeper. He's a stalker. He's, he's something, he's a, he's a weirdo. Um, but we just don't know what his brand of weirdo is just yet. And then, and then she shows up with the, you know, almost looks like a venom symbiote all over her face. Right. And uh, starts just trying to, you know, put her dome piece through the glass. And um, and and that's that's very weird. Like you go, OK, what what could be so terrible that she's willing to crush, you know, concuss herself, basically trying to get in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was that was very strange. So then, you know, it kind of the, the movie changes into more of the and this is where I think John Goodman as as Howard is brilliant because he's such a talented actor to begin with. And, and yeah. this movie requires the actor who plays Howard to do multiple things and do it well. He he goes from being weird, tinfoil hat, kind of creepy to he's he's a big man too. I mean he's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, when when Michelle and Emmett aren't sure like okay it's two against one you could easily just overpower this dude but but he's so big in the way they present him it doesn't seem like that's an option to them and that and that's never even discussed and and then he he kind of moves into like that teddy bear uncle role and it's right. very interesting and he's very good in it yeah i you know that montage scene where they're like doing a puzzle and then he's like dancing at the jukebox there's those moments where it's like okay like what 
like, what is this guy? Cause yes, he has these weird things, but then you almost kind of go, okay, well, is he, is he a good guy in a manner of like, in a manner of speaking, like he's weird how he goes about it, but maybe, you know, maybe there's something there where it's like, okay, I'm, I have the socially awkward thing. I'm such a conspiracy theorist that I think I'm doing what's right, but now we're going to get somewhere. But then, you know, he has those scenes where one, he freaks out at the dinner table because like they laugh at each other and like, he like touches Michelle, like he freaks out and pounds his hand on the table. And then he also has that scene where he's trying to, uh, what are they playing charades yeah, or, or something like that? And he's trying what? to describe Santa Claus and um, he gets weirdly angry about it. Well, he gets weirdly angry. And he also, though, when he's trying to guess like Michelle and he's he like, can't call her uh, a, woman. a princess. Yeah. Yes. He can't call her a woman. It's like, you're like kind of awkwardly uncomfortable during that, like watching him struggle to think of that. Um, and then the uh, like one of the other things that is very subtly creepy that he does is, you know, later on in the movie, he finds that they're trying, you know, something's going on. And I love that scene where he's like, I'm going to give you one chance to tell me the truth. What were you planning on doing with these things? Um, and he shows them that barrel of of acid. And. I that first time I saw the movie, I was not expecting that. Like Emmett, you know, says Howard, it was me. I was trying to, you know, I was gonna make a weapon to take your gun. I want her to respect me. It wasn't right. I'm so like I'm sorry. Like I, I, it won't happen again. I'm sorry. When he shoots him in the face, I was like, holy crap! Like i did not expect that but like just the way he was talking and he's like i swear to god i'm gonna throw you in this barrel while you're alive to feel it i was like oh like oh my god that was Um, very effective and i and i almost expected that but then he shoots him in the face which i totally was not expecting but then the weird little creepy thing that i'm talking about is shaves his beard kills yes it's so freaking creepy, man. I, like, I, I wrote that down, too. I don't know why him shaving the yes. beard creeped me out, but it did. I can't explain it. It was yes. creepy. Yes. I thought he was going to come through the screen and try and touch me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get away from me. Like, Something about that just made it creepy, and I can't explain it. Oh, even the way too, because he's got an ice cream and he licks it and he's like, I thought we'd have our dessert first. I'm like, you pervert. Yeah. Like, oh my God. But, it, you know, uh, again, from a movie perspective, not saying anything about this in real life, it's it's so effective how creepy those little yep. subtleties are. Shaving and like, I was just like, oh my God. Like, it, it, it was just so... That was like, for me, the real turning point for him, like even killing, I was like, I, I don't like that. But like, even then I was like, for his character, I understood why he shot him. Like I could even understood it, but that was the turn. Like, holy, like, I hate this guy. Like, holy crap. Like you've turned me from like, yeah, you're, you're weird and you're a, you're not a great guy, but like, there's something there where you don't at least for me up until that point, you don't hate this guy. You have questions about him though, right? Yes. 
Yes, you have questions. I didn't hate him. As soon as that scene came, I was like, oh my God, get away, get away, get away, get away, get away. Can we just talk about the fact that it's weird to me a little bit that they had to build the hazmat suit? Like, a guy that goes to the hassle of making a bunker, Yeah, every prepper ever is ready for a chemical attack. Like, that's the one thing that every prepper is most worried about. I mean, they're, they're worried about a lot of things, you know, the financial markets collapse and things like that, but they're all prepared with gas masks. Like they all have them. They all have hazmat suits. It's weird that this guy doesn't have one in every color of a Skittles bag, really. Like that just seemed weird to me that they had to build it, but that's, you know, minor complaint really. Yeah. You know, that, that is kind of weird that he wouldn't have at least one, like one thing about him that he's like already got the air filtration of that system, equipment right so he already is prepared for chemical right and he's got kind of an airlock so he's prepared for chemical but he's not prepared if he has to leave the bunker for any reason or rejoin society like he's not prepared for that and that does strike me a little weird right exactly um you know but that's you know for me i don't necessarily hate it but from that point on, you know, that's where the movie to me definitely. And again, I, I have a specific way that I think this movie could have ended or should have ended. I'm not saying it would have made everything better. Um, but you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, this movie was originally, it was originally actually called the seller and had nothing to do with the Cloverfield universe. Um, it was in 2012 that this was bought by Paramount Pictures um, to be part of the Cloverfield universe. Um, but, you know, you as soon as you find out that there is an attack is where the movie loses steam because it's so different from Cloverfield. It's not even the same creature. It's literally what looks like an organic alien spaceship, which the design is cool. Don't get me wrong. I think the design is cool. I think the creature, like the dog or whatever the hell you want to call that thing, attacks her. I think the design is cool, but it really is in this movie. It's such a far departure from what we have seen for, what, an hour and 45 minutes? up until that point, that's where some of the wind gets taken out of this movie for me. Um, even though again, on, on rewatches, I still love everything pretty much up to that. It really, to me is a very huge drop when we find out that like, he's right in the way that he's speaking because it's such a huge departure. It's, it's a little strange because, and and I suppose you can kind of explain it a little bit away if you want. But thinking about the first one and trying to tie this film that was not written to be part of uh, of a larger universe into a larger universe. You know, the first one, we get one big, massive kaiju attacking and we don't I mean, we see kind of like these spores come off, I guess, but we don't really see anything else. And I suppose if you want to explain that away is that's like your that's that's like your tank that you send out first, right? Like that's your your big. Mm-hmm. You send in the the other smaller crews to clean up, you know, it's it's mission specific. So you don't necessarily send 
the Air Force in on every mission. You don't send your aircraft carrier in on every mission. You know, you don't send SEAL Team 6 in on every mission. You you send in the, the units that you need for the, the purpose that you've got. So in rural Louisiana, you don't necessarily need the kind of thing that can bring down buildings, I suppose. It does feel a little bit strange that they don't, you know, the spaceship and the creatures that we do see there's there doesn't really feel like a tie-in though to what we do see in the first one like I, I, there's something i, I wish right. that there was at least characteristics that you could recognize where they feel like they're part of the same phylum you remember phylums from biology class you know yes. like i i kind of wish there was just some characteristics they feel you know like they're they're they connect in a family tree somewhere and to me they really didn't and i i think that hurt this a little bit and I don't know. I mean, it seems like a, a superior technology. And then they just sent out like this big lumbering beast that doesn't, I don't know. There may be a little disconnect. You're right. Yeah. And, you know, the thing for me is, again, they say this is a, a spiritual successor to Cloverfield. Like that is why it's not called Cloverfield 2. And they do try to explain things in the Cloverfield paradox um, again that we're going to talk about. And there's a lot of stuff online that really connects kind of what is going on between these three films. However, for like me, I think this could have been more effective because they're in, for God's sakes, they're in Houston. You find out. Yeah. Like at, at the end of the movie. But to me, that last shot could have been you know let's say you take let's say you take the bunker shot out of it with that woman as effective as it was uh what was her name again i keep forgetting leslie. her name you say michelle no, yeah, leslie. leslie michelle's our main character right leslie yes correct um let's say you take that out of the film but you do do something with a radio that there's been an attack and the city's in shambles you know everything like that but there's still these weird kind of things about Howard where you almost maybe think that that like the radio call is fake or you don't even have a radio call. You just have her trapped and you have this one guy, Emmett, who's backing his case. OK, I, I think you could still have this movie and make it so that she never sees, you know, anything or hears anything and she finally just like her leg is healed enough where she can escape and she's like i gotta get the hell out of here and see i think this could have been more effective and been more tied had she she gets out of the bunker you see her driving and her journey is taking her to new york city mm. and that last shot where the lightning flashes all you see in the background is the aftermath of the cloverfield attack and because we know at the end of Cloverfield, because of the end credits, that that monster is still alive, you see him walking in the background off in the distance. Like, I think that would have been now granted, would people have still had a problem that like the only thing that you got was that very ending shot being somewhat connected to Cloverfield? Sure, but at least would have felt connected to cloverfield having the same monster having her be somewhere outside of new york city 
where the drive is, you know, that's where she was originally planning to go. I think that would have been more effective. And this would have felt more like, you know, it, it wouldn't have felt as disjointed as it does at the end of the movie. It it does, uh, you know, knowing that the movie was purchased and then a layer added on at the end, um, you know, you can, you, they really didn't hide the areas where they taped that on very well. Like you can, you can actually see the scotch tape on screen, like where they just kind of pop that on there. Well, well, there's almost, I swear to God, it's almost, it's like unintentionally funny, but there's almost like a line of dialogue in the movie that almost calls it out itself. When she, (laughs) when she gets on top of the vehicle and realizes that there's a goddamn alien spaceship in the sky. And she's like, Oh, you got to be kidding me. That's almost like to me kind of how the audience feels. Yeah. Like <laughs> like it's unintentionally hysterical. It did it yeah, it, it kind of felt a little bit that way to me cuz it's just like yeah, I sort of agree. Right. And again, it it's it doesn't spoil the movie for me, but if you were going to do that, I do think you still should have, you know, cut and paste a shot of Manhattan as your last scene. Like, I, I think that would have been much easier to do, you know? And again, I think that would have been much more favorable because if you look up and Rob, when you were, you know, done and just kind of looking into things, if you look up reviews for this movie, they are actually really, really like, it's highly spoken of except for the ending. Yeah, it's and this is part of where, you know, it's a thriller and there's some twists and turns. And one of those twists is that he was right all along and there was this crazy alien attack. You know, that is one of the twists. But, you know, for as much as um, my brother Eric and I just got done praising a genre swapping movie and from Dust Till Dawn, shameless plug for the EPU. Go check that mm-hmm. out. Um this one, when it swaps genres from a thriller to an alien attack movie, it's right at the end. It doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't feel earned, but it it feels, yeah, no, maybe it's not fully earned. Yeah, no, it, exactly. It does feel, it, it's just so abrupt that you don't really have time. It's so, it's so abrupt and it's so at the end that you really don't have time to process anything. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. But as soon as that shows up on screen, it's pretty much over. Yeah. There's not a lot of time. Like there's not a lot of time with it. And again, like if you were going to do something like that, I think that's why it would have been better to not have it be, you know, connected to Cloverfield. But so, you know, when this movie first came, you know, when this movie first came out and there's still questions to this, this day, even with the Cloverfield paradox, okay. Are these, are these things on earth the same time as the Cloverfield monster? Like, is this happening in Houston and what's happening in Manhattan still took place? Like, what is actually going well, so on? I'll tell you what's weird about that. Okay. So we, we watched the first movie not long ago and that movie came out in what was, do you remember what year it was? 2008. Okay. 
they were all using flip phones, right? And she's got an iPhone in this. And if a monster had attacked New York, like, I feel like she would have, I don't know, like that was going on for seven or eight hours. Right. So by the time they get to the end of the recording, so there would have been like things going on that people would have known about this. And, and that, that kind of connection feels weird to me um, that it, that there's not a connection there. Like it just, all of a sudden there was this gas attack and, and she got run off the road and he had enough time to drag her back in. And like, it was never like, listen, here's what you guys got to know. The radio cut out, but there was this crazy attack on New York giant monster. There's something going on worldwide. Like there was never any dialogue that connected it that should have existed. If these two movies happened literally in the same universe, which they're, they're, proposing to be right exactly so yeah i I mean that's that is a huge complaint for me at the end of this that it's so far disconnected that it's hard to imagine you know it again if they could have just made this i don't know maybe you still call this the seller um and this could have been another monster movie similar to what he did with um, Super 8. Like, to me, J.J. Abrams has produced two really great quality monster movies. I think Cloverfield is one of them, based on our review. And I think Super 8, Rob, have you seen it's that? Been a while. I-, I think Super 8 is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It- it's, you know, probably not since, like, It. Or like besides the the first um it uh chapter one and then the kids from Stranger Things, I can't remember like a better group of kids carrying a movie than Super Eight. I thought they were fantastic. Like I-, I thought those kid act child actors were incredible. Yeah, I had the same takeaway from it, that movie. In in Super Eight, um, you could have just made this realistically another monster movie. Yeah, and, and it. And maybe that abrupt ending wouldn't have come with so much like, well, what the hell was that if it was just called something different and not, oh, this is in the same universe as Cloverfield. It makes you wonder if there was things cut from this because she escapes the bunker and it's not even totally dusk yet. And then by the time she gets to the shed, it's pitch black out. Pitch black. Like not even remotely a hint of light. Like, so it makes you wonder if there was anything cut and the runtime on this movie, I've got it in front of me here. It's 104 minutes. It's a fairly short movie. And I, and I have to Mm -hmm. say that I don't think this movie would have been better by being longer. Um, No, I, I actually think that. And and part of why I say this movie isn't particularly rewatchable for me is that there's times where it sort of drags on and then it gets wild and then it kind of drags and then it gets wild. And, and maybe for me, it was just the anticipation of wanting to see what, okay, like, come on, I just want to know if this guy's really a lunatic or not. Like I, I, you know, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of dragged a little bit and then you'd get a little breadcrumb. It's like, Oh geez, wow. What was that about? And then, I don't know. Right. I, I guess maybe I would have to watch it a second time to determine if it was rewatchable or not. But my initial thought was <laughs> I'm good. I don't, I don't know that I need, I didn't need to watch this again. 
Yeah, no, again, I, uh, you know, I have watched this with my son, Brandon listeners have, you know, heard episodes with him on. He really kind of shares a lot of the same feelings that you do where when I was rewatching these, um, you know, I was like, oh, do you want to rewatch these? And he's like, I'll rewatch Cloverfield with you. Yeah. Any day like, of the week. He, he, like, he, <laughs> yeah, like he definitely does not feel like 10 Cloverfield Lane needs to be rewatched. Um, and, and it's because of like the same sentiments that you have said during this discussion. So I, I certainly have heard those. For things. the record, Brandon also doesn't like The Last Jedi. Yes, he he also and he also is he has said multiple times now the rise of Skywalker is the absolute worst movie of Star Wars. It it is it is the worst. It's not that bad. It's really not. Yeah, um yeah, he oh my god, it was so funny rewatching <laughs> that. He he hates that movie. Um, without a doubt, 10 Cloverfield Lane is one of the weirder movies I've seen this year. I, I think it's one of the weirder movies that, that you've picked to cover. Uh, actually, it's, it's really very, it's, it's a very strange movie. It, you're never really sure what, what it is while you're watching it. And I, and I think there's some fun there, but again, I think for me, there was, you know, almost a little bit of an anxiety to it. Like, okay. Um, I want to know what's going on. Like, just, I want to see, I, like, tell me more. And the movie doesn't tell you more until you get right to right. the end. And then, and then maybe there's a little bit, possibly a little bit of a letdown there, I guess, like we were saying. So I, I, I you know, I think that's some of why I'm not quite as enamored with this um, as you are. Yeah, no, understandable. Um, I do think I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think you will be topped with the Cloverfield paradox in terms of weirdness. Ooh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I do think that that'll happen um, because that is another very interesting movie with an interesting story about how it came to be and the absolute sudden drop on Netflix, the night of the Super Bowl. Um, again, I remember that vividly happening, like information coming out during the day with rumors starting to circulate that we're going to get something like there are rumors that this movie is going to drop after the Super Bowl. Um, and Netflix can do stuff it, like that because they're not beholden to tickets. You know, they don't have to sell tickets. Right. They, they can do kind of yeah. weird stuff. And that's, yep. that's sort of what's fun about them. That's one of the things I liked about the movie, The Old Guard, is I it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. You should watch The Old Guard, by the way, because they're going to do a sequel. And it's great. Um but there's something that happens very early into the movie that I was like, whoa, I did not see that coming at all. And because there was no trailers or anything like that, there was no like major hype around this movie where they had to show you stuff. Um, it was a legitimate like wow moment that doesn't get spoiled by the fact you already know that what you just saw is going to be undone later. And that's some of the beautiful things about what Netflix can do because they are outside the normal studio system. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to be incredibly interested to to talk about that entry into the series. But uh, Rob, I know you had a few uh, other thoughts on this before we kind of wrap it 
up, but what are those so, thoughts? I, I really love it. It's very early into this movie, but I think one of the best lines in this whole movie, and I think it really tells you a lot about, about the character of Howard. He's got this great line where he says, crazy is building your ark after the flood has already come. And I think that is just such a great line. And I think that tells you everything, not everything, but it really just, it's a great character moment. It tells you a lot about who this guy is. Yeah, no, I, I did really enjoy that as, you know, as well. I I thought that was really a, a good line. And again, I think part of, you know, that, that mystery to his character where they do again, a very good job of like, kind of keeping you guessing like we had talked about of what really is going on with this guy, because there's also that one, um, you know, there's that one scene where um, they're, they're sitting down, like through the, the Michelle sitting down in her room. Um, and then uh, Emmett shoot. What's his name? Emmett. Yeah. I'm just like lapsing here for a second is talking to her, but like he's tell he's saying how like he broke his arm trying to force himself into the bunker and it's like okay well there's something like there's something there i think there's a lot of really cool moments like those little moments like that that keep you guessing um you know up until the end and then it's like eh, i i wish you kind of would have just let me guess <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> um but yeah, so I, I do really enjoy that quote. So is there anything else that you had before we, we move into the final portion uh, of this of this review? No, let's read for some buckets of popcorn. All right. So yeah, we are going to move into popcorn time. I think based on your comments, it's going to be uh, very clear that this movie might take a step back from the recent things that we've reviewed. Um we we might be reaching into Hellboy 2019 territory. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so I am interested to hear your thoughts on it first. So I am going to let you go. And what is your popcorn time review for 10 Cloverfield Lane? So as of the date of this recording, uh, after seeing it precisely one time, I give it three and a half buckets. Um, I, I might, I, this would always be subsequent to change in the future on a rewatch. If, if something just hits me a little differently, but um, you know, there's things that work really well. There's things that are interesting. John Goodman is fantastic. The movie is creepy at times. The movie is effective with some of the storytelling moments. Um, I, I think largely I found myself just wanting it to get going a little bit faster and, and give me more of the unanswered uh, details. I, I think, you know, the, the cut and paste job to make this fit into Cloverfield is, you know, it's very obvious and it shows very much. So it's, it's not hidden very well and, and it's not adapted particularly well. So um, yeah, three and a half, but I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I watched it and I would recommend uh, giving it a watch if you've never seen it. Yeah. You know, I, for me, I give this, I give this a four. Um, I, I have always rated this as a four. I, I had it rated as a four on my letterbox review. Um, because to me, everything up until it's connective tissue to Cloverfield is really well done. I think this movie, um, 
you know, I, I felt this movie moved at like a breakneck pace. It never like had me kind of sitting there going, Hey, what's going next? Whether it be the performance by Goodman or any of the other, you know, actors and actresses in this. I mean, really it's based off of three people, but I always enjoyed the tension that this movie built because I felt like it kept just going, okay, we're okay. Oh my God, we're not okay. We're fine. Why is he going crazy again? So I felt like it did a really good job for me of being kind of like a roller coaster with my emotions. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've always considered should this be lower for me based on the fact that the ending is so out of left field and Rob, like it, it's really, like you said, you could, if, if this were taped, you would see the scotch tape holding it together. Um, and if that's too subtle, it would be big silver gray duct tape. <laughs> that's just cl- like clear as day that, you know, it's, it's when you see somebody with a broken window in their car and there's the duct tape holding the plastic until they get their window fixed. Yep. Like that's the ending of this movie. It is, it is so clear that in no way, shape or form, you know, even if you didn't know the story, you would probably look at this and go, was this movie always supposed to be like this? Like, you know, it's just such a clear cut and paste job uh, that it really does, you know, take away from, again, like, I don't know how this movie would have ended had it never been connected to Cloverfield. Like, I am curious what the original ending of this movie was before they bought it and reshot the ending. Cause I've never been able to find out what you know, it is. The, the thing that we really haven't touched on at all is the, the whole bit around him mentioning his daughter, Megan, but then Megan is actually, right. you know, um, Emmett says not the girl that he's got a picture of. No. And then she <laughs> scrapes on there, you know, help like that's, that's yep. never, I don't want to say it's never really explored, but I, I don't know that. I think that almost feels like a loose end. That feels like something that was an an unresolved plot point um, that perhaps when she actually escaped initially, that was supposed to be resolved in some way. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It almost feels like that was supposed to be the culmination of this, you know, of this movie was something with that. It's a little too Um, neat that the earring she finds is the same one she has on in the picture. Like that girl only has one set of earrings. Like that's, that's, you know, that's right. maybe a little too convenient for me, but I, I might also be just reaching. Yeah. Well, because then you also sit there and, you know, you kind of go, okay, well, when was this girl in the bunker yeah. with him? And how long has he like, there? was right. Was this during the, like, was this during the initial attack? Did she, you know, did he have her hostage before the attack took place and transferred her to the bunker? But then, like, how did you know? How did Emmett not well, see? I her? think Emmett said like, she disappeared two years ago. I think is what I thought he said. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Just right. really feels. I don't know. Like uh, it belongs in a different movie. Right. So did you know? Did Howard have his house? But then he brought this kidnapped victim to the bunker. So he would come check on her or whatever the case may be. Like there's so many things that I've thought about, like, well, what the hell was that? You yeah. know? But again, I've, I've never been able to find any kind of article on what this movie ended as when it was titled the seller, because it was finished. It was wrapped up filming. And then they came back and did the reshoots to, to tie it 
you know, connectively uh, to the Cloverfield universe and be like a spiritual successor. That's exactly what Abrams calls it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would be really curious if we ever were able to find out what this movie actually was in, in the end result before Cloverfield came along. Yeah, because this looks like one of those things that, you know, a, a big name actor, um, you know, like John Goodman would just kind of pick up. It's like, oh, this script is interesting. I've never played a character like this before. This could be fun. Right. And, and was never really intended to be more than that. I, I did also find it weird. And I think it was just like a favor because they were together at some event or something. I did find it interesting that like Bradley Cooper agreed to be part of this movie for three minutes based on a voicemail because that's her yeah. boyfriend, Ben that's on the phone. I, I don't know why. Cause it's, it's stupid and it's, you know, it's very, a small thing in this movie, but I was like, like, really? The guy on the phone is Bradley Cooper. Like that's I weird. I like, didn't why? Even like, his voice like why initially it wasn't until the credits rolled. And I was just trying to figure out like, yeah, how, there's like four characters in this whole movie. And then they added a couple others. It's like, Oh, it was like, Oh, Ben was Bradley Cooper. Like, wait, what? Like, why did you agree to that? Like, did you do that for free? Were you just were you like contractually obligated yeah. to do that? Right. Yeah. Like something like, were you out with Abrams for dinner and you forgot your wallet? And he was like, look, I'll tell you what, <laughs> be this, vo- <laughs> be, be this, be this voiceover character in my movie. And I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll let you slide on dinner. Like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know how that ended up transpiring. Like, but I, I think that could have been interesting though. And again, maybe there was something with Ben in the end of the movie. Maybe it was originally scripted that he is part of the ending and comes and rescues her. Who knows? Because When you look um, at that opening bit, her decision to move out, she's hastily throwing stuff together. Like she's very quickly packing right. up not really being super careful about it. She leaves the key. She leaves her engagement ring behind and hits the road. Like that really doesn't have any bearing on this movie. That whole opening really means nothing. The only thing that that whole opening gives you for this movie is you see her sketches and her designs. So when she like fabricates a, a hazmat suit out of plastic, like it makes sense that she has those skills. Like that's really all that does. Yeah. So to me, I think you're really onto something there that, you know, maybe the character of Ben was supposed to have been something bigger in the original film. Cause it feels like, why is that even there? It's it's also maybe the most unrealistic part of the movie because who's leaving Bradley Cooper? <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But you know, an an organic alien spaceship is right is, is more believable. But yeah, so I think again, an, an interesting movie, an interesting decision. Um you know, these all three of these movies have a unique background story to them. Uh, I think all of them more so than the next. The The first Cloverfield movie uh, on its own is a great movie. We both agreed on that. Um, we, we gave it a five. But the story behind it and the viral marketing is so intriguing and so interesting. Then you have the stories about how this got picked up and then you know, we'll talk about it more in the next review, just all of the, the craziness that happened with the Cloverfield paradox. Um, 
you know, the original working title of that movie was uh, God Particle. So, uh, you know, another one that is it has an interesting backstory and each one of them kind of gets crazier uh, as we has moved along in these movies. So I'll be interested to see your thoughts on this final. You know, I sort of just kind of want to see that happen. Just continue on in the future. Like, I kind of want to see like a bunch of spec scripts that are floating around like J.J. Abrams just picks it up and be like, listen. He, he call and he calls the writer's agent. Says, "Listen, I want to buy this script, but you have to make it part of Cloverfield now." <laughs> and just and just see right. some some writer go, you know, get get a call from his agent. Hey, I have good news and bad news. Good news is your script got picked up. Yay! Bad news is you got to rewrite it yeah. and now shoehorn in some aliens. Ah, oh, you got to be kidding! Right? Me. And just how? What's the weirdest, right. wildest script you could possibly shoehorn Cloverfield into? I I just I would love to think about that for a little bit. Meanwhile, the guy's like, um, this is a live action Care Bears movie. I don't know how I'm yeah. so, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I would enjoy so, that. Um, right, exactly. But that will do it for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, we will conclude what was this group of not even trilogies because Hellboy, but, you know, uh, three movies of the same title character uh, that started with Hellboy, you know, moved on to John Wick and has now uh, been picked up with the Cloverfield series, which will conclude with 10 Cloverfield Lane. You know, we are, we're getting towards the end of the year. It's crazy. Uh, Rob, I know you kind of can't believe it. Um, Where the heck did 2022 go? But you know, working on some ideas here to to finish out the year. Uh, one of them involves maybe finishing the Resident Evil movies, but that is uh. I, that might have to be. You know, that might have to be the start of the year because that actually involves a lot. Those were uh, all intended that we were going to do those as video reviews, uh, with also being posted, uh, so posted to the YouTube channel, but then also being you know clip for audio as well to be on the podcast site so that might have to wait but you know we do have some ideas coming up here for the end of the year to do a recap show favorite villains things like that but you know as we're preparing those things rob how would listeners catch up on what we've done throughout the year because there's been a lot has been a lot and the best thing that you the listener can do is to subscribe to the show that way as new episodes drop all of these fun exciting things that matt has been mentioning that are in the works you will be first to know that they're available for you to listen to while you are outside questing away you can subscribe to the show wherever you are listening to these words. It, what, you know, wherever you are getting it from, if it's from a phone, if you're streaming it through uh, an Alexa device or a Google Home or something like that, you can just subscribe to the show. Make sure you check out all previous episodes. If this is the first time you have downloaded a Matt Goes to the Movies episode, we want to say thank you for choosing it. But make sure you go check out all of the great stuff in the past. Uh, tons of great stuff around the MCU. Um all the pretty much anything that's been on Disney Plus as a show has gotten a review. Uh, lots of great stuff around Star Wars, so make sure you check all of that out and all of the fun things that we have coming up. I, for one, cannot wait for January fifteenth. January fifteenth is a day that is one hundred percent on my calendar because we're getting a live action The Last of Us with Pedro Pascal and the trailer that just dropped looks so good so 
make sure you subscribe to the show so you can hear Matt and I gush about how great that show is likely to be. Uh, and I can't wait. So subscribe to the show. Check out the social media platforms. You can find the show on TikTok, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and join the Facebook group. While you're at it, email the show, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, you know, I almost for a second there, I thought you were going to gush about the fact that in January, we're also getting Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought that's what you were, what you were getting excited um, for, but low key. I am, I am kind of excited about that project. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. The same guys making the mean one movie, which is about the Grinch going on a killing spree. Um, so we're going to see how those turn out. Cause I know I will be seeing those, but, um, we certainly hope the last of us and based on everything I've seen, let's hope to God. It's not Halo. Yeah. The, the last two I, episodes of uh, game of Thrones, notwithstanding, I typically trust HBO to deliver quality content. I mean, some of the greatest shows in the history of television and uh, in, in terms of drama, especially HBO has been responsible for. So I, I trust them with this. Everything I've seen so far. Yeah. I'm, I'm hype. Yeah, no, I, I have been incredibly eager to see what happens here. Um, you know, certainly, too, we've gotten some, you know, coming into next year. Boy, it looks like it could be a big one. The, you know, regardless of what you think, who knows? Hopefully, I, I have faith in this director as well. James Mangold helming Indy 5. We have Transformers. Um, you mean, there's, with, what did they do a fourth one? I know there was the original trilogy. And then, so how did they yeah. get five? It's one of the, it's the same thing that happened with Cloverfield. <laughs> they bought, <laughs> they, they, uh, they, they, the kingdom of the crystal skull was, was purchased from another company and shoe. They, they shoehorn Indiana Jones oh, into that movie. What a dumpster um, fire. Right. Exactly. Um, but you know, certainly the new, uh, Guardians trailer came out. We have Ant-Man. We have the new Transformers movie, which I think looks phenomenal. Um, I I was super impressed with that. You got the Mandalorian season three coming in March, which I it's almost too far away. That one um, for my liking. But a a lot of really interesting stuff coming uh, in 2023. So really looking forward to continuing the podcast into the new year. But listeners, Still got stuff coming here for the end of 2022. Continue to contact the show. Thank you for joining us for this episode, and we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.